This is Jocko Podcast number 259 with me, Jocko Willink. The A1Es arrived just as the team started taking incoming mortar fire. Godwin quickly calculated the coordinates for the mortar's location and and the information was passed on to Covey, who in turn related to the A1Es. A laconic, whistling voice came back down the line. It's crispy critter time, so y'all keep your heads down. Within seconds, the area in front of the team exploded into flame. The deadly napalm coating everything in its erupting path. Flaming NVA soldiers ran briefly toward the team before falling to the ground in agonizing death throes. The hand grenades and ammunition they carried cooking off like firecrackers. Unfortunately, the elephant grass was also set on fire. The napalm had definitely slowed the NVA advance, but it had not stopped it. Covey reported that extraction extraction choppers were five minutes out and the team needed to move fast. Two gunships from the 7th Air Cav roared over the LZ. Watkins put out two bright orange marker panels and the gunships confirmed they had the team in sight. As they looped back to make their first strafing run, the gunships reported that a large enemy force was moving toward the LZ and they were going to attempt to discourage it. As they made their run, pouring M60 machine gun fire and rockets into the enemy, RT Lion could see the air fill with green tracers hitting the helicopters. They were taking a vicious beating, but they hung in there and kept pouring fire down on the NVA. It was an incredible show of raw guts and determination. Covey came on the radio to say the gunships had taken casualties and were leaking fuel, oil, hydraulic fluid, and just about everything else, so they were being forced to head home, but the extraction slicks were on station. RT Lion looked around and could see its salvation coming toward it on its nose. Although they were flying at a good clip, it appeared as if they were moving at an agonizingly slow speed. As with the gunships before them, they were taking a horrendous amount of fire. One chopper was hit badly and began losing fuel. After a brief confab, the rescue package suddenly broke off its approach and headed back the way it had come, leaving nothing but smoke and RT Lion's hopes for rescue behind. When Watkins asked Covey what this meant in terms of time on the ground, all Hartness could do was say that he'd contact the S3 and ask for a new set of extraction assets ASAP. In the meantime, he promised to get more tactical air support over the team and do all he could to keep them alive. While Watkins appreciated the sentiments, this did not do much to raise his spirits. In his heart of hearts, he felt the team's position was precarious and likely to get much worse and quickly. The NVA had literally thousands of men it could throw at the team, while the team had only so much ammunition and not much by way of cover. What he told his team members, however, was that there was going to be a slight delay and reminded them to keep vigilant and be ready for an attack. What he didn't have the heart to tell them was it could be hours before another rescue attempt was made. Their stay at Oscar 8 was far from over. One of the brews suddenly signaled that NVA troops were crawling toward the team through the elephant grass. The news was passed on to Covey who responded that he had two A1Es standing by, one loaded with CBUs and the other with rockets. Both aircraft had their deadly 20mm cannons locked and loaded. Watkins told Covey to bring in the CBU as fast as possible and to lay it down as close to the team as they could get. In less than two minutes, the team saw an A1E appear front in front of their position, its 20 millimeter cannons roaring away. 
it flew so low they could see the pilot turn his head to locate the team as he released his ordnance. Unfortunately, some of the mini bombs exploded so close to RT Lion that two brew received light wounds. This was distressing, but Watkins considered it one of the acceptable prices a recon team paid to keep from being overrun by a superior force. As the A1Es departed, a small group of NVA suddenly rose up out of the grass behind the team and charged them, AK-47s blazing on full automatic. Deseda, his red communist star facing forward, rose up and opened fire at near point-blank range. The brood joined in as other groups of NVA popped up from the elephant grass and attempted assault after assault. What followed was several hours of deadly cat and mouse, with the mouse hunkered down in its little hole and the NVA cat making paw swipe after paw swipe in an attempt to claw it out or do it in. An ironic situation for the team to find itself in. While RT Lion fended off attacks, Covey directed airstrike after airstrike at the NVA troops, the storage area, the anti-aircraft guns, and anything else he could draw a bead on. Throughout the day, primary and secondary explosions followed one another as the strikes found their mark. Whenever the team's fate, whatever the team's fate might turn out to be, the NVA were paying a hellacious price for messing with it. With daylight, ammunition, and ideas running out, it was like a true message from God when Watkins heard Covey report that South Vietnamese Air Force 219th Special Operations Squadron had one of its legendary King Bees en route. For once, Watkins' spirits actually rose. Not that he didn't love the living daylights out of the 7th Air Cav, but the Vietnamese of the 219th had, time after time after time, proven themselves to be about the most daring, most imaginative, most aggressive, and all-around finest pilots on the face of the globe. If RT Lion had any chance of getting out of this hellhole, a King B pilot was the one who would find it and exploit it no matter how slight the chance was or how deadly the odds. That was simply what they were pledged and committed to doing day after day. More good news followed when Covey relayed that the lone King Bee would be escorted by Marine gunships from HML 367, a bad bunch of flyers that went by the code name Scarface. Things were definitely going to rock and roll with them on station. Scarface enjoyed nothing more than kicking NVA butt and taking names and then coming back around to kick more butt just for good measure on general principle and for the sheer fun of it. However, Covey splashed a healthy dose of cold water on Watkins by reminding him it was very nearly dark and that despite all the bombs dropped, rockets fired, and gun runs made, the enemy was still pumping out an enormous amount of fire and still moving forward. Pulling RT Lion out of Oscar 8 was going to be as difficult and dangerous an extraction as could be imagined and they would be, have just one chance to pull it off. If they muffed it, RT Lion would be spending the night and would most likely not see the next morning. Sobering information indeed, but Watkins did not want to discourage his team, so he just gave them his best grin and said, let's get ready to go. In the distance, Watkins could hear the distinctive sound of the old nine-piston Sikorsky H-34 King B chugging its way along, a steady bass note to the higher wop-wop-wop of the Hueys. He squinted into the twilight, and when he could finally make out their dim silhouettes, 
He flashed his strobe through the barrel of an M79 grenade launcher so as to mask it from enemy sight. The helicopters acknowledged having RT Lion's mark and the Hueys immediately divided and made a split run, one raking the team's forward perimeter with rockets and machine gun fire and the other working its rear. It was a beautiful show. Watkins yelled over the noise to blow all the claymores. By setting off all the claymores at once, he hoped to avoid having any uninvited NVA join the team. They went off in a deafening blast and blinding flash. The little mouse had roared. As the Scarface duo looped around to make their second and final run, they confirmed there were dozens of dead and dying NVA scattered around within feet of the bomb crater. Unfortunately, they also saw more troops advancing. It was down to the short strokes. As the Scarface gunships began their last pass, the King Bee tucked itself in behind them and came roaring on. But rather than sat down outside the crater and have the team come to him, as Watkins fully expected, the pilot pulled up and hovered over the crater. As the team looked up in disbelief, the old H-34 warbird began gently settling itself down toward the team like a mother hen about to cover her chicks, thus also decreasing the silhouette to enemy troops. By the light of the burning elephant grass, Watkins was able to see into the King Bee's cockpit and was startled to find the co-pilot seat empty. In the pilot seat, was his much-admired friend, Captain Ahn, a man who had saved Watkins' bacon on many other occasions, but none quite like what he faced here at Oscar 8. Captain Ahn lowered his King Bee toward the team with a precision and steadiness that gave an entirely new meaning to the word cool. His face was smooth and calm, but there was steel in his eyes as he worked both feet and hands to maneuver the chopper as close to RT line as he could. At one point, Watkins could have sworn that Ahn nodded to him, as if in a casual greeting. The whole scene bordered on surrealistic. What with the LZ lit by a flickering brush fire, the sounds of gunfire and explosions, the smell of cordite and burned human flesh, and this improbable savior hovering above. As Watkins had experienced before, the action took on a dreamlike quality. Sounds faded as if someone had turned down the volume. The air thickened. Movement appeared to be in slow motion, and the brain snapped individual frames that would never, ever be forgotten. The looks of fear or pain on their faces, bodies being blasted backward, a piece of someone on the ground, a scrap of cloth, one's own hand clutching a weapon or shaking wildly as it tries to execute some simple, well-rehearsed, but now impossibly difficult task. This is what war looks like to a mind under stress. Watkins could hear small arms fire thumping into the King Bee's body as he fully expected that at any moment it would either pull up and exit or come crashing down on them. But it did neither. It settled into a stationary hover, its front wheels placed delicately inside the crater. And there it sat, an unbelievable vision, a heroic portrait of an old warrior taking a pounding but refusing to falter. Watkins, DeSada, and Godwin began heaving the brew into the chopper. Godwin followed. DeSada, after taking an anxious look at his team leader, was next. His bright red star pointed over his right ear as if he wasn't quite sure whether he wanted to be going or staying. Finally, in accordance with that time-honored tradition, the one zero's feet were the last to leave the killing ground of Oscar 8. 
with the door gunner and team pouring small arms fire and M79 rounds into the perimeter beyond its rim, the King Bee lifted up and out of the crater. As a last defiant gesture, Watkins threw a red smoke grenade onto the LZ. This gesture was universally understood by everyone who supported SOG to signal that the team was safely out, the LZ clear, and everyone else was free to pound the living daylights out of it. But RT line was not home free, not yet at least. Anti-aircraft rounds were bursting around them like a World War II ak-ak fire. Captain Ahn was dipping and juking in an effort to dodge the bursts and make himself harder to track. He still looked calm, cool, and collected, as if he were making a routine flight. For these guys, thought Watkins, maybe this was a routine flight. When the King Bee touched down a caisson, Desada, Godwin, and the grinning door gunner walked around poking their fingers into bullet holes and counting them, but they soon gave up. There were too many, and besides, it was just too unsettling unsettling to contemplate what might have been. Watkins learned later that Captain Ahn had chosen to fly solo in the Oscar 8 because he knew exactly how dangerous this mission was. He'd lost King Bees there before and was determined not to risk more lives than necessary. He figured if the gods ordained that his ship go down while trying to save R.T. Lion, it would just be him and the door gunner. It seemed like a simple and perfectly logical decision. No big deal. Incredibly, everyone who participated in the mission was alive and well. The men of R.T. Lion were home, seasoned veterans of Oscar 8. It had indeed been their time after all. So that is that is a whole different kind of heroism. Because look, when you're on the ground, in many cases, you don't even have a choice but to be a hero. You either step up or you die. But for these pilots, men like Captain Ahn, they don't really have to do anything heroic. They could easily say that the landing zone's too hot or they've already been shot or they're low on fuel or, or whatever. But they're safe in their aircraft and they see the hell that is going on and they see the hell that they are going into, bullets and rockets and anti-aircraft and they go anyway. They go anyway. Men like Captain Nguyen Ki An, a pilot in the South Vietnamese Air Force who flew countless missions, insanely dangerous missions, in support of American and South Vietnamese SOG teams. He's a recipient of the Silver Star and the Distinguished Flying Cross, and it is an absolute honor to have Captain An with us here to talk about his experiencing fighting in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. Captain An, it's an absolute honor to have you here. Thank you. And I guess also joining us once again is 
John Stryker Meyer, Tilt, special forces member of SOG who has been on this podcast before. Couple times. Couple times. 180, 181, 182, 186 with the Frenchman, 247, 248, and the last one with Cowboy Con. Cowboy. 258. Back again. Thank you so much. And and when you first came on, after the first couple times, people started asking almost immediately to if if I could find a King B pilot. And I know as soon as you know you very quickly mentioned Captain On. Always. <laughs> number one King B. For sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so so uh, on, tell us about what it was like growing up. Where did you grow up? Uh, I was grow up in uh, Hanoi, north of Vietnam, and uh, my father decided to move the family to uh, the south in 1954. Now, was that after after the French got beat? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, did your father kind of recognize that bad things could happen? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what what did your father do for a living? Uh, you mean before after uh, 55? After yeah. 54? Oh, he has the. Some kind of business to cut the lumber, like a lumber okay. yard. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he 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 hired people to do it, but mm-hmm. he uh, organized the uh, the office. And uh, after '54, uh, we moved down to the south, and he worked for uh, one of the uh, French company. Oh, he worked for a French company. Yeah. Oh, okay. After 54, okay. when we moved to the south. Okay, and what did you do? What, how old were you when you moved to the south? Oh, I was fit, uh, 11. 11 years old. Yeah, and uh, my, 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 my father sent myself uh, and uh, my brother, my younger brother at uh, that time, he was t- uh, 10, and uh, to fly to the, uh, with uh, one of uh, the friends to the south. Now, did you have any understanding of what was happening with the communists in North Vietnam. Did you have any understanding of that yet? Oh, but uh, before we go to, uh, we, uh, we went to the south, then uh, I remember I, uh, at night my, uh, I sleep next to my, uh, my father and uh, he was criticizing Ho Chi Minh. Uh, because my uh, eldest, eldest uh, brother was killed in uh, forty-five uh, when he was seventeen. Okay. Yeah. By the communists. By the communists. Yeah. <clears throat> so once you got down to South Vietnam, now you're eleven years old. Mm-hmm. And what? Did, what did you? Did you? Were you just going to school? Yes, I did. And uh, since the. Uh, we move around all the time from Hanoi to uh, Haiphong, and then go to the south. And uh, I myself and, uh, and my brother next to me, we all try to uh, make a two great in one year. You try to make what in one year? Two great. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Were you able to do it? In, yeah. Okay. We did. We did. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice. And uh, uh, in uh, 60, uh, 62, 62, yeah, I joined the uh, Air Force. And so my, uh, my brother, he uh, got the uh, scholarship from Yushan, and he went here too. 
1962 is when you joined the Air Force. Yes. And and um, once you joined the Air Force, did you know you were going to be a pilot? Yes. Okay. So but you, uh, I didn't believe it. I would be <laughs> <laughs> because I couldn't uh, ride the uh, car, couldn't ride air, um, would get a train, or oh, even okay. airplane, a bus. Because every time I got in the car, my stomach come up in my mouth. <laughs> You're <in> car sick. <laughs> Truck sick, train sick, every sick yeah. he would get. Yeah, that does, that's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually you were able to get over that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, the first time my uh, IP, he uh, demonstrated the uh, um, engine quit all the oral totation. And, oh, and I, I thought, oh, I, I feel my, my stomach come up. And I feel, oh my God, how can I can fly? Uh, but later on, I get used with it. Right. And uh, I like it. <laughs> I know that they they have something for American pilots, and I don't know if they made you do this. They have something where if you get air sickness, they have something. I think it's in Texas. It's called spin and puke, and they basically put you in this machine every day, and it spins you around and makes you sick until you get used to it. Really? Yep. Oh. Yep. So I guess you didn't do that. No. <laughs> you didn't have to go to the spin and puke. <laughs> One auto rotation helped. Yeah. <laughs> so h- how long were you in the Air Force before you started training to become a pilot? Mm, when I joined in the Air Force uh, in uh, late 62 and uh, and uh, formerly it was on uh, January 1st of 63. Okay. And uh, I was uh, have the uh, basic military uh, training mm-hmm. in Nha Trang for and also the ESL for six months. And uh, in uh, in uh, July '63, I, uh, I was sent here to get the training. So you came to America? Yeah, and get the uh, ESL again training in uh, English training. Yep. In uh, San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you go to San Antonio to first to learn how to speak English. Oh, in uh, in Vietnam. Oh, okay. When when I uh, get the uh, military uh, military training and the uh, ESL English training mm-hmm. for six months, and then when uh, I went to uh, to San Antonio, Texas, for another four months for uh, ESL. English, uh, English. Mm-hmm. After that, I went to uh, Fort Waters in uh, Texas. Okay, and and what was for Fort the, Waters uh, for? For the uh, primary uh, helicopter training. Okay, it's the S twenty three. The S twenty three chopper. H twenty three chopper. Small and ugly. That's like the. That's like the bubble canopy, right? Similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Different variation. Yeah. He's the old one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then, so how long did you spend in America training to fly? Uh, from uh, from the uh, first training, I uh, got the uh, advanced training on the ASA 23 too. And then uh, after I finished it, I went to uh, Alabama to get the training on the uh, ASA 34. The King B. The King B. And how, what was your first impression of the King B? 
it's, it was big. <laughs> uh, because, because from uh, 823 is a small one. Tiny. Right? Yeah, a tiny one. And uh, when I finished the uh, training on the 824, uh, they, I was transferred to uh, get, the, get the training on the uh, highway. At that time, they only have the uh, at the school. They only have the uh, A model. It's a it's a small one. The A model Huey. Yeah. What the did you like first. better? What did you like better, the Huey or the King B? It's a King B. <laughs> 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 because they, uh, the King B have about well, at that time have about uh, one thousand fifty hundred horsepower. Okay. But the Huey more than A model have only nine hundred horsepower. But the Huey's a lot smaller than the King B. Yes, it is smaller. And, uh, but did you feel like you had more power in the King B? No. No? Yeah. Because it's too easy. <laughs> too easy to fly, right? What's that one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because uh, <clears throat> on the uh, H-34, I got total about 100 hours. How many hours? 100 hours. 100 hours? Yes. Uh, wow. Total. And uh, but on the highway, I only get the uh, nine 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 hours. Okay. And uh, the uh, pilot, the uh, captain pilot who checked me, uh, uh, check me, he said, "Okay, you, st- you can stay home. You don't need to fly anymore. Hmm. <laughs> you stay home, so he can uh, he can have more time to train other people." Got it. Other people so, didn't learn as quickly as he did. Got it. So. <laughs> I was off for one week and just go around. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so is that is that what you got trained in? You completed all that training, yes. Um, and then it was going back to Vietnam. Yes, uh-huh. in '64, uh, around around July '64. Uh, uh, so in '64, America's there, but not super heavy engaged in combat operations no, yet. Not yet. Um, what was it like when you got back? Were you were you starting to anticipate? Were you was it starting to seem like there was going to be a a broader war being well, fought there? Don't forget, in June of 1964, uh, Roger Dolan earned the first Medal of Honor mm-hmm. at a Green Beret A camp. Mm-hmm. So there were there were major battles at the A camps at that level, mm-hmm. and so and of course the King Bees even then were supporting some of the A camps. So that was the beginning of that war. At a serious level, mm-hmm. and yes, the, we didn't get the American troops involved to Hydrang Valley, but yeah, they yeah. began to build up, and the Marines came into Da Nang. Mm-hmm. So he was all part of that. What year did the Marines come into Da Nang? It was '64, I think. '64, '65. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, it's always Hydrang uh, in '65. That right. sort of, in my mind, marks the beginning of like heavy American combat operations. Yes, that's a formal battle between American First Cav right. and the NVA. So, but yeah, definitely prior to that, it was advisors in there working by, with, and through the locals. Right. And, and yeah. Um, so you are seeing all that happen. You're yeah. seeing that start uh-huh. to unfold. Uh-huh. Were you, were, at what point did you start flying the King Bees in support of special operations? Uh, when I first came back from, uh, from the U.S. training, I, uh, I was assigned to the 217 squadron. And uh, the 217 squadron first stationed at uh, Saigon. And uh, in 60, later 65, was uh, moved to uh, Cantor in the south. 
and uh, in uh, February 1966, I was I, uh, I was assigned to the 83rd group. Mm-hmm. This is the uh, the group that combined uh, fixed wing and helicopter to fly the uh, secret mission. And uh, later on, the uh, helicopter troop uh, group uh, become a 219. But the group of the 80, uh, the helicopter group in 83rd uh, Space Group have only four helicopters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when we become uh, became the uh, 219, it, uh, we have four, uh, 24 of them. Did you know what you were getting into? Yeah, with those kind I like of. It. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's very modest. The first two years, basically, from from uh, when he went to that first, the two seventeenth, the commander of that unit didn't like North Vietnamese, so he was only a co-pilot. But he fly co-pilot. He get very bored. He wants to get more action, so he finally gets the request, and he goes and gets the action. <laughs> So once you once you started uh, doing that, what was what was that like? What was it What was it like to start going out on those operations where there was all this incredible intensity on the ground? Oh, uh, I think it's more exciting than uh, in a normal squadron. Yeah, I'd say it's probably more exciting than a normal <laughs> squadron. <laughs> oh, indeed. <laughs> what was it? What was the um, what was the operational pace like? How often were you getting called to fly? What would happen? Would you be on standby waiting to go extract people? Would you sit and plan with the guys from SOG so you all were working together? How, how did all that How did all that work? Everything worked like that. Because so, you had a rotation. Like one week they would be on assignment. One week they'd be training. And another week they'd be getting ready, mm-hmm. and then in one week or so they'd be on a side. They could be up at Fubai, yeah. then they go down to Kantum, wherever the most, depending on the weather, what missions were up. So would would SOG ground guys go and you know would you sit down and say okay here's where we're going to insert here's they would get the work. op order and they would be in for the briefing prior to yeah. launch. Yeah, be, before that we went out to the operation, we have the briefing, uh, what we are going to uh, do to do and where we are going to work. Uh, but uh, since I uh, was uh, so familiar with the, the uh, whole uh, whole border from uh, from Khesan uh, down to Preku, Bamitwat, the whole border around the, on the along the Ho Chi Minh Trail, mm-hmm. I'm so familiar that I just hear. Well, I don't need to bring map. You are uh, that familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here's another king during those briefings, when they're there as a one zero. The King Bees, as we went further into the war, their briefing would say, we found uh, 23 Mike Mike here, 37 Mike Mike, anti-aircraft weaponry mm-hmm. in those targets. So they would tell the Covey, and their expertise would be another bonus that we had in terms of our briefing, where not to fly. And that's one of the briefing parts. So mm-hmm. it was like, we hear what the mission was, get that from S3, but we'd always hear from them, then the Covey after that. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so you'd be flying basically some kind of combat mission every day or two days, three days at the most. Oh, sometimes in one day, yeah, I flew uh, three missions. 
each mission uh, lasts about less than two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's what's cool about being a pilot, right? <laughs> two hours, you know, two hours and you're done. <laughs> if you live to come home, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, if you live to come home, you're doing all right. <laughs> you're back eating good chow and drinking a cold uh, beer. Indeed. <laughs> uh, so, so how long did it take before you finally ended up getting shot down? Ooh. Like when did, I know you ended up getting shot down. How long were you flying for before you got shot down for the first time? Over four oh, years. First time, let's see. Oh, that's right, in, the first time. Uh, sometime in 67 <laughs> or 66, I don't remember. Because I was shot down four, time, four times. And you were shot I, down four times? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, don't even, uh, I don't even remember which day was that. Except the last time I lost my hand. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. yeah. The first time you got shot, you don't really remember what happened the first time you got shot down. Oh, uh, the first time I was shot down was in uh, south of the Marble Mountain, mm-hmm. and in the morning the, uh, we supposed to uh, take the, um, uh, the the platoon to make the uh, security line south of the uh, Marble Mountain. And yeah, Marble Mountain, right where F O B four was. Mm-hmm. So this is an in-country mission. And they're picking up a battalion to put it on the south side of Marble Mountain because FOB four was on the north side. Mm-hmm. But and they were having some issues. They put the battalion out there for security purposes to work in the, along with the Marines at that point. And so seven o'clock in the morning, South Vietnam, he gets shot down. Yeah, in, uh, it's, uh, I went out at six o'clock and uh, insert the uh, uh, drop the, uh, the the troop and. Uh, when the second uh, king made the land, and uh, he said that he uh, kept, uh, he got the uh, ground fire. And I told him, remember which way. <laughs> and uh, I come back to uh, mountain, pick up more people, and then land again. And asked him, which, uh, which direction is that? He said, two o'clock. And I take up and head to two o'clock direction. And I saw a line of people uh, was uh, moving with the only uh, only woman and she a kid and uh, with the you remember the two baskets that they carry yes. on the, yeah and I I told the the, uh, the crew chief only people uh, civilian people don't 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 shoot and as as long as I finished it I heard a a long fire mm-hmm. from that from that life from, from that people from those people and uh, the engine just quit and I make I make a crash to uh, on, on the rice paddy <laughs> and <laughs> the uh, the third chopper of them that came down to uh, pick me up and uh, bring me uh, back to Danang and at nine o'clock I go, I go out again to take that chopper back. Mm. And we that, we took that chopper back. The um, mechanics, they couldn't find any, any round. So they keep asking me, tell, uh, tell them, uh, tell, tell, uh, tell them what happened, what really happened. If uh, we couldn't find the, the, any um, round, then uh, it must be the technical problem. 
And I said, yes, I did. I heard the fire. And later in the afternoon, one of the uh, mechanic ship, he, was, he opened the, the front door, <laughs> the front door of the, uh, of the engine. Mm -hmm. And he looked around and suddenly he, he, he saw the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the lid, the cap of the uh, magneto. Mm -hmm. There was a hole in there. Oh, so that was it. <laughs> and uh, he was wondering, why this is, uh, there is a hole in here, why the, the, uh, the uh, people didn't change it? So he called the, the mechanic and opened it. Oh, my, my bullet was in there. <laughs> and that makes all the uh, ignited. Wow. Yeah. So you would go back out and re you went back out and recovered that aircraft? Yeah. What sure. would you tie straps onto it and bring it back or how would you do it? I I I go go out and we to uh, show them how to 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 bring, uh, bring the the, uh, the down aircraft back. Would you bring it back with another helicopter? Yeah. Just uh -huh. tie it on and bring yeah. it back and then start uh -huh. working on it? Uh-huh. Did you feel jinxed going back in that aircraft again? Like, no. did you? <laughs> 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 or did you feel lucky? <laughs> you already got shot down. You let you, you made know, it. You know when uh, when uh, I I uh, class uh, in uh, on uh, in the uh, rice paddy, uh, I um, I jump out of the uh, chopper and uh, grab the the, uh, the M thirty. Mm -hmm. The old one, the World War II machine gun. Mm -hmm. And my crew ship bring a uh, carry the uh, armor box. And uh, my, uh, my my co-pilot, he ran along with me. When I when I picked up the amateur, I looked back and I saw the the, uh, the, the, um, the water on the rice paddy was swelling, swelling, because in the, uh, from the, uh, they, they were shooting from the village. Oh. Yeah. Still. <laughs> and and I ran to the border of the rice paddy and put the gun on, put the machine gun on and uh, load it. And I shot it. I thought, it didn't work. All these guns, I shoot one, one round in a time <laughs> with the machine gun. <laughs> Yeah, those old those old thirty calibers yeah. were not the most reliable after after the first thirty years of combat. Jeez, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I know there's another another story where you got shot down again um, after, and the day before King B had been shot down, and right. then you went into what what happened on that operation? Uh, in that how, uh, operation, the the day, uh, the the uh, day before, we went out and uh, to uh, resupply and bring the wound from the uh, from the team. And uh, I land and pick up some and resupply some. But the second one was shot down by the RPG, mm -hmm. and uh, it was about five p.m. and. Uh, when I saw it, and uh, I came back to uh, to Dakto, to and uh, no, we we lost two King B at that time. Yeah, two King B on the previous day, and I decided not to how, die how anymore. Did you, how did you feel about going on an operation when there was two King B shot down the day before, and now you have to go back in there? What did that feel like? 
Um, I, I think that we have, uh, we we need to uh, bring the uh, all of my friend back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, when I land to uh, on uh, at um, uh, Dacto, uh, the, uh, the the radio man from the camp. He went out. He said, "Order from Saigon, not to land anymore." And uh, he lowered his voice. But the last decision is yours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 and I said, "Oh, I, I'm going out again." And I asked Kobe and the two gunship and uh, my uh, number three, number four, came back. I will go in again, and uh, when uh, we were about, uh, yeah, at this, uh, at, um, I, I, I tell them, <laughs> just uh, follow me, and uh, when uh, we were about five kilometers from the LZ, then you people just keep updating, and I will go down by myself, and. Uh, I wait until seven o'clock, seven p.m. Mm -hmm. It's dark, and uh, uh, I say, "Let's go." And I, I turn on on my light, the, the light, even even the uh, the uh, dashboard uh, light. You turn them off. Turn them all off. Very, 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 very faint. Mm -hmm. Hard to see. Mm -hmm. And because anyway, for 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 a long time, flying. I can listen to the uh, engine and how and know how much it it was working and how much uh, how, how how many RPM it is running. Mm -hmm. I can listen to it. Mm -hmm. and uh, when you were about five kilometers from the LZ, I turn off the light and uh, tell other people to uh, orbit wait for me mm -hmm. and I ask the Kobe, do you see me? And he said that yes. So I turn off the engine and go down, go down to uh, to the uh, top of the tree, recover, and uh, ask him again, "Do you still uh, see me?" And he said yes. Okay, guide me in. And he got turn right, straight, line left, line left, and I was in the head and make a three sixty with a ninety uh, ninety uh, nautical mile. Make a 360 degree to um, to land on the LZ. So so the they were walking you in and telling you exactly. Covey, Covey was telling you exactly what to go. Guiding you in. Yeah. <laughs> at night, <laughs> at treetop, in the jungle. This is and there's mountains here. Yeah. It's not like we're flying in Cambodia where it's flat. <laughs> <laughs> He's flying over the hills too. Just and. Uh, that's just part of one another day with a king bee pilot at night, with the lights out, and he got the everybody out. Mm. Yeah. And uh, the next day, I came in again, and uh, at uh, ten a.m. And when I was taking off, and I heard a big brush. And the uh, the the, the uh, chopper start to make up because the engine was uh, lost. They the brass blew up the blew up the engine. Oh, wait, what uh, blew up the engine? 
Yeah, they, the enemy they, fire. It, it was oh. it was hit by the RPG. Oh, okay, you got hit right by the RPG. Right in the front. Yeah, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I make the right. I did, so I make the um, right move to to keep the uh, the uh, jumper go stick to the side of the hill and still uh, and uh, start to low low it uh, low the uh, left side down. So it can uh, hold on the uh, side of the hill, and I start with the mouth, and I say that uh, the copai. Mm-hmm. When I jump out, I my copai. He, he was on my left side, and I said, "Run!" <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so let me make sure I get this. Your your the aircraft gets hit with an RPG. Yeah. The engine dies. The engine came off. Oh, the engine came off. Yeah, it blew off the engine. <laughs> okay, and so then that's the, why the, the chopper nose up. Like so it. now the chopper goes nose up. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna crash land, and you have to do it on a hillside. Yeah, uh-huh. and so you had to kind of maneuver the helicopter to be at so an it, angle. Yeah, so it won't fall. It will roll down in the hill. And then, so you land it. Basically, you are able to crash land mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then you look at your co-pilot and say, run. <laughs> <laughs> and we ran, we ran uphill. <laughs> okay. To yeah. join the team. And, and then, so you, then you join the, the SOG team on the ground. Yes. Uh-huh. Did you and carry the, M, the uh, M30 again for good luck? Uh, no. <laughs> at that time, we already had the M60. Yeah, okay. Oh, so you had you got the M60 off of it? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, so, uh, so then what happened when you joined up with the SOG team? The SOG team, because of the... Uh, Oh, the M16 and M18 was all over the the, uh, the dish, and uh, I grabbed one of them. No, at first I, yeah, I grabbed one of them, tried to shoot at where the, the, the RPG come from. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it didn't work because they shot all of them and uh, the 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 uh, um, ran out of bullets. Yeah, uh, I think the the, uh, the gun was too dry. Oh, the gun was too dry. Yeah, and couldn't shoot anymore. Okay, so now you're in a perimeter, I guess. Yeah. With your team, with the team, they're uh, wounded. Yeah. And this and is a wounded people he had picked up. What so team was this? I'm not sure. Salakantum. Mm-hmm. This is before my time, even like '67, I think. So. Uh, so I, I ran around and uh, and found another uh, M79 gun. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the two, two bikes of a grenade on it. So I just, okay, you shoot me now, I'll be, uh, I give, give it back to you. I shoot, <laughs> I shoot, I emptied two bikes of a uh, M79. <laughs> and uh, I started shooting from 50 meters away from us to 200 uh, meters away from us. How long were you guys on the ground for before you got extracted? Uh, and uh, when I, uh, I after, after I shot the on the grenade, I uh, called the Kobe, and he said, oh, "You still alive? Yeah, I still alive." <laughs> <laughs> and I called my uh, rescue pilot because he he's, he was on the sky and he saw the he said that the uh, he saw the the. Uh, the frame, the line of frame go and hit my chopper, and my chopper explode, the, the, the front nose explode, and he thought that I, uh, I was not dead. 
But uh, he he was lucky, and he said, "Oh, you still alive?" And I said, "Yeah, <laughs> but don't land anymore. <laughs> we have to move." Huh? Yeah. So you hear, if that had been a Yui, they're dead. Everybody's dead. But that's a King B. Yeah, the Yui can't and the take RPG. That kind of hit. Hit the engine and blew it out, which is a nine-cylinder World War II engine from the B-17. But blew it out of the aircraft, and he still was able to talk about uh, it, and walk away from yeah. it, and crash land that thing like on, on top of the, on, a, on a sideways on a hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so was the uh, did the other aircraft, the other King B, then land and pick you guys up quickly, no, or were you out there for a while? No, we have to um, uh, we have to run uh, away from the LZ. With the uh, with the team mm-hmm. from uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. before I would speak up. So much for the two-hour mission. Six huh? hours. <laughs> Six hours. <laughs> and you're getting and, shot up by the NVA the whole time. Yeah, many times. And he's learning how to shoot the M79 in between the M16 and the M60, whatever rounds he has. <laughs> On the job training in Laos. <laughs> Jeez. So then you come back from that mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then take a shower, uh, get ready, and go brief another mission. That's what you guys did. No, after that the mission, that I was shot down. I went back to uh, the uh, brought me back to uh, Ducto, and at that time, all the, my uh, commander, my squad commander, and the whole staff of the squad came down to uh, Ducto to see what happened. <laughs> and, they couldn't uh, believe you were still alive. And yeah, and. Uh, when I uh, first uh, when I first see my uh, my squad command, I said that uh, my friend need to have uh, one week to on uh, from a vacation to relax. <laughs> Did he give it to you? Yeah, he said okay. You <laughs> <can go." laughs> so all you had to do was take an RPG hit, have your engine blown out, crash land, and do a six hour gunfight with the NVA to get a week's vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a rough tour. <laughs> oh. But the uh, the previous day, one of the chopper uh, also got hit by the RPG, and uh, the co-pilot got killed, and uh, the pilot and the and the mechanic and the, the cruise ship got burned. Got burned, but uh, I, I brought them home. Mm. And uh, the uh, before the um, the next day before I I left the LZ, I ran back to the uh, the class landing of the uh, previous of the uh, chopper that went down before uh, 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 the previous day, mm-hmm. and try to look for something the uh, if it can remain of the uh, co-pilot of the previous day, but I couldn't find any. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was the. White ash, because the uh, aircraft was the aluminum. Oh, uh, so it just burned. Uh, it just burned. Hmm. Um, that that wasn't your last time getting shot down. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> what about your to- tail rotor? Tail rotor getting shot off. Oh, tail rotor cable. Um, it was in Laos. And I was taking it off, and um, suddenly I feel somebody uh, hit my the, the uh, on my, uh, my my foot, on my feet. I mean, I mean, and uh, I asked my uh, cruise ship, "What's happening with the tail rotor?" And he 
he checked along and he said he uh, got in the uh, tail boom and said that the uh, cable or the control cable on the tail rotor was uh, shut down shut, shut off and so because when uh, I feel the, the uh, it hit the uh, the the, uh, the uh, somebody uh, some something hit the the pedal I the the chopper when I was taking off the chopper stuck to turn right because we have uh, we don't have the control of the tail so I move the cycle to the left and reduce the power and I accept I accept to be shot with the other down rather than crash landing so I keep taking off with the 60 knot and fly 60 knots a little bit sideways mm-hmm. and break <laughs> from break from Laos to uh, and I called my, uh, my 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 the other king me go ahead and land first and prepare for the on the extinguish and uh, because I I have to make a crash and I went went back make a long tra- a big traffic and land make a landing landing when the tail wheel uh, touched down I told my copilot. Cut off the power, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he, he cut off the power, and the, the shop was slowly, slowly shut down, and then he can start running, start running, and I hit the brake, I hit the brake to to, uh, to to stop it, but it, it wouldn't. But before before I touched that, I told the uh, my crew chief, tell the the, the team nine of them in the, in the shop. <laughs> Tell the team when I slow down the chopper, and tell them to jump out. <laughs> oh, nine-man team. <laughs> tell them to not to jump out, not to remain because we may, we might make a crash. And uh, and finally the the, the uh, chopper turn right and stop. When I look down, my God, none of them jump out. Mm. <laughs> Is they still in the chopper? <laughs> Man, did, and did any of the nine members of the team get wounded? One guy was wounded. No, nobody's wounded. But yet they shot the rotor, the, the the cable to the rotor. Yeah, that's crazy. And the aircraft between the weight and the way he adjusted the cyclic stick. Yeah, he flew back sideways and decreased the speed. It's like <clears throat> I never heard that story. This is another one of those oh my god stories. Just another day flying king bees <laughs> with Captain on. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why we say number one pilot. Oh, man. <laughs> I tell you one thing. If at that time we have the uh, gunship, yes, uh, to cover ourselves, then we can make a lot of things. Is that right? Yeah, because we, you know that the uh, when you go out to the operation, the fueling and the thinking of the enemy. What they are not thinking, we can guess. But the American, you couldn't guess what they are doing, what they are going to do. To. So you're saying that the American, the Americans, we would do random things, mm-hmm. but the enemy, you kind of knew what they were going to do. They followed patterns. We we can guess most of them. Wow. The American just go out and receive a ground fire somewhere and just put suppress it try to suppress it but for us we can guess where they are going to put the gun 
or what are you going to plan? Because sometimes when uh, one time I was shot, I was taking off from the LZ and the, the, uh, I heard a heavy, heavy ground fire from, from the right side and I looked back and I saw the uh, NVA sitting behind the uh, 50 caliber and shooting at me. <coughs> Less than 100 yards. And uh, so I, d I dived down to the uh, bamboo top and make the zigzag fly. But uh, I, um, I escaped, but the second King B came in and they made it. Second King B uh, got shot down. Got shot, shot down. Shot down mm. and caught fire. Wow. It's too close. Less than 100 yards. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> another one uh, Tilt was telling me about was you, you, you got something hit and you got hit by something and it almost knocked you out of your seat yes <laughs> and there was a, like a two inch hole in the back of the king bee what yes. was that we couldn't find any foul uh, we couldn't find any the, the round and I don't know what, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, gun it was that but uh, at that time I was taking off from the LZ in Laos and suddenly, just like some somebody hit me with a uh, hammer in the back and uh, hit me forward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so I uh, I used my left hand, left left knee to hold this uh, collective and keep flying and use my left hand to uh, to, to, to to check my back to, and I say, oh, it's still dry. <laughs> I mean, I still okay. No blood. No blood. <laughs> And when he got home, the, uh, I checked the, what, what was wrong, and I saw the at the back of my seat, the back of my seat, the hole was bigger than this one. Mm. Yeah, and wow. couldn't find it. Around. Did you guys? Was there any armor at all on the King Bee? No, no armor, just no. aluminum. Aluminum. That's all. Can't stop anything. No, except oh uh, yeah, one there is one. Uh, I'm a plate underneath the, the engine. Underneath the engine. Underneath the engine. They had an armor plate oh, that would be about maybe 18 inches or 18 inches wide. Mm -hmm. and would wrap up on the sides yeah. underneath the engine. That's about the only armor I'm aware of. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you wear? Did you wear? Did you wear a no. flak vest or anything? No. No. No point. No. <laughs> they have really cool King Bee flight. Flight. <laughs> Just a flight suit. Overalls. Have their king bee signals on them, and they have their holster on their hip, like a cowboy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they they were really good looking uniforms. I like the black was best. How many operations do you think you flew? Just calculate. I got four thousand hours, and minus one thousand hours for liaison or in the other. Other thing, mm -hmm. and so three thousand hours. Three thousand, three thousand divide to two hours for each mission. So fifteen hundred <laughs> or so missions. Yeah, give it take, give it take a hundred. <laughs> These are all solid missions. Yeah. <clears throat> how often? How often would you have enemy contact on the ground when you went in? Mm, 
usually the when I came in to insert the team and I saw something one this is like one time when I uh, land to the LZ and I saw the uh, telephone line on the LZ <laughs> mm-hmm. and the team was getting off and they said, come back, come back, come back <laughs> and they come back, they said, oh, the one time and then I saw it and I, did, I, I brought them back right away but most of the time when we got shot, when we take off from the LZ when the, uh, the, the team were chased for by the extraction, NBA. yeah, for the extraction, yeah. So most of the time, you could get in. Well, you you would just pull the team out almost immediately if you guys took contact. Right, yeah. If we were compromised, and we just try to get it back, go out if we could. What percentage do you think you guys were compromised on the insert? Probably a lot more than we realized. Mm-hmm. Because they would have the LZ watchers, and they would like to get us on the ground first particularly by the end of 68 because they had the uh, SOG hunter-killer teams that were out there, and their main mission was to find us. Yeah, I would think they would want to wait till you inserted, right. see you insert, let the helicopters yeah. leave, and then roll you up. There you go. So the insert usually would go, good, would go well, unless there are days, like we had that time in November where we get shot out of the primary, secondary, and the alternate, and the Kingbees would go in, bing, 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 Go have lunch. They would refuel, have a little lunch. Here's another target. Go back and do it again. And often they would come back with bullet holes because we got, literally got shot out. They, if there's enemy activity there, we wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. You know, you're compromised. Yeah, we want to try to get on the ground and get get it going with the mission. And we had several days like that, back to back to back, and the king piece got beat up. But fortunately, none of us got shot down. Hmm. And the Sikorsky is just a beat. That's just a Oh, That's yeah. just a hoss of a aircraft. Yeah, it only had one door, but it had the windows. So whenever our, we were extracted, our the first man in the chopper would go to the to the uh, left window. You mean the port side? Port. That's what I meant. <laughs> I always get the port confused with the star unless I'm drinking port. <laughs> and that army would be our, be our SOP. That's an yeah. army man right there. Indeed, the left side. Yes. <laughs> Is the bulkhead secure? The bulkhead is secure. There you go. <laughs> uh, you, you're all babies. And, no, and then uh, right here we can interject. Um, sometimes they would be in the air and there would be uh, an emergency call for any helicopter, which he did in August of 1969. I forget what you were on, but this is that mission with Scarface. Mm-hmm. And um, Scarface was making a gun run, and they were working in conjunction with the... Uh, the 101st Airborne uh, on their air mobile units. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a like a river stream and they were making a gun run. So the 101st had gone down with the Cobra. They had Cobras then. Scarface came in with a regular gunship, got hit. As it went down, it flipped over. Two of the, door, the crew members came out. It crashed upside down. They put out an emergency call. On was there. He responds to the call. The gunships went down, and they made a gun run on each side of the down, upside-down Scarface. He followed them right in, and he picked up the two two the uh, crew members. He picked up it was either the no, I didn't pick up. I just spot them. 
you spotted them first? Because I, uh, I, I, find, I flew along the stream to see what, uh, if I can find any people. And I spot two of them standing on the big rock on this, this table. And uh, I called them, let them know. And then I keep, so they, they came down to pick them up. And I keep flying down the uh, stream to look uh, for other people. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't find any more. I come back. I came back to the uh, to the downhill. And subside and, down. And I couldn't see anywhere. Um, I couldn't see inside the cabin or the cockpit. So I used my uh, right wheel to turn it back. Hmm. You yeah. flipped over the Huey. While yeah. under enemy fire. And uh, I checked inside and there was nobody in there. So I tell them that I couldn't find any more. Didn't you have your crew chief hang out the door? Yeah. And then he was able to say that he saw people in the pilot and the co-pilot. Yeah. Because uh, this day, there's two, those are two, uh, only two Scarface Marines aviators that are still listed as MIA. Oh, I think two. it was the pilot and, and the uh, crew chief because the co-pilot got out. And they were able to rescue those two. And uh, and the bubble of the front of the UE where he put his, you know, the strut, mm -hmm. put the wheel in and lifted up the helicopter and his crew chief goes and hangs out all while under enemy fire. Jeez. So in August 2000, Scarface honored on at a banquet in San Diego to thank him for that heroic mission. And they helped get your award for that mission, correct? Was that part of that? Mm, not yet. Not yet. But that was one mission where he was just flying, and they had to call for help. He responded to help Scarface, because Scarface and the 101st had protected King Bees all the time. And you got shot up on that one, too. It wasn't like we're just another day in the park. He's helping the Marines try to find those uh, aviators. And I'm not sure how many hits he got, but just the fact to go down the stream, put the strut underneath the front nose that had been knocked out, and lift it up to give them a status report hmm. just another day with the king piece hmm. amazing yeah that you know uh, the the reputation you guys had must have been just i oh. mean that opening that i read from this like yes it's just epic you know to hear the 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 relief from watkins when yeah. he hears who it is like okay now we got a chance yeah and it, you know, that was always our golden our golden moment you're on the ground, you're in a firefight, and they say, the king bees are coming. <laughs> it's like, thank God for the king bees. <laughs> on that mission, when you decide, hey, you know what? I'm not going to bring a co-pilot. I'm not going to bring a crew chief. I'm just going to bring me and the gunner. That's it. Mm -hmm. That seems like a, like a kind of crazy decision to make. <laughs> no, because we, 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 when I know that uh, the situation was too bad, then we have to go go out to, uh, as fast as we can, so we can uh, bring them home. As fast as you can, meaning it would have taken time to round up the the no. co-pilot. No. If one time when uh, we was uh, they they were putting mortar in uh, in uh, Necto, and I saw I saw the uh, the, uh, the 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 smoke came out from the gun on the other side of the hill. And so I, I ran to my shop and uh, climb up and crank it up. 
And when I take it off, the co-pilot was late, and he just cried over. <laughs> so you didn't care if you had a co-pilot or not? No, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just like that mission later in the book with the chapter 20 when they had the night bright light. Yeah. Where the hatchet force had been in, they had severe casualties. They had all been exfiltrated out. The last helicopter went in was a, again a UED that went in on strings to pick up the team leader from the Hatchet Force. They had a sergeant stay back and a couple indigenous troops, and the chopper got shot down, crashed. And then that night, they asked to go in. This is October 69, and Lynn Black went in and on took them out again with no crew. They took him out that night. Found the LZ and thought they thought they were going to have to repel in, but somehow he's able to find an area big enough to get the King Bee in and went down. Lynn Black got in, picked up the picked up the uh, team member had a broken back, and the other survivors, and then he came back again at night, picked up the team. I think this time they had to pull him out on strings, and then they pulled him out. Was there anyone else that could, that could fly at night like you could? Yeah, some of them. Was it your eyesight? Was it just the amount of hours that you had in the helicopter? Oh, yeah, we can see. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know that at that time, the uh, King B, they, we only have the, uh, let's see, the C model that we got from the Army. Have the ADF, VHF, and FM. Mm-hmm. But the uh, D model, we got from the uh, Marine, heavy Titan, UHF, VHF, uh, FM. But uh, since the uh, Titan and the VHF, we don't use it often. We almost never use it, mm-hmm. and it's too heavy, and it was installed in the uh, tail boom, and it makes the chopper heavy, mm-hmm. uh, tail heavy. So I remove all of them. You just but take all we, those we, 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 extra radios out. Yeah, we don't use it. We only need the uh, um, UHF and the uh, and FM. FM. That's all. <laughs> and this leads me to a quick sidebar. I don't know if this is you or not, but <laughs> we had in '68 the King Bees had a, the Marines wanted to race the King Bees to Fubai. So a they race? had. I mean, just a race. A race, race. Okay. They so had we're not their H-34. Oh, racing. no, no. This is just going from Da Nang, <laughs> from the air base. And the King Bees go, we'll race you to okay, Fubai. So the King Bees versus what? Versus the Marine Corps H-34s. They still have some H-34s. Oh, so it's just it's King Bee versus King Bee. Yeah, but it's King Bee versus Marine Corps. Got it. With all the with all radios. The so the Marines yeah. had to go around High Van Pass and go over to South China Sea. King bees fly up and over, <laughs> bing, they get the flu by, win $100. <laughs> I don't know if that was you or not, but that was one of our favorite King bee stories. <laughs> the Frenchman always told that one. <laughs> Man, and then who's your maintenance crews? Oh, yeah. Was it, was it Vietnamese? Yes. Air yes. Force? They, they, were in the, uh, they are in the Vietnamese Air Force. And uh, later on, we got the... Uh, Let's see, what, what was that? I totally forget L-O, I think L-O-D. The, uh, this is the American company. Oh, American yeah. company. Yeah, they, they are the, their main job is only to 
to replace the uh, part. I said, I suppose to uh, change the tail, uh, tail rotor. They bring the whole, the whole set and put it on. They change the whole set. Mm -hmm. But I don't trust them. You know why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Because one time after they uh, change the, uh, the, the uh, tail rotor, and uh, after I check everything, I start to clean up the uh, chopper, clean up the engine, and the chopper starts jumping up, up and down, up and down. And I just split off the uh, needle and uh, cut off the engine. And the the shop was stuck like this, and it just stuck the, the nose come up. And I go down and check, go around, check, check, and check the tail. Oh my God, why is only only one more, uh, the three braids uh, remain? It's supposed to have uh, the four braids. Oh, it only had three. But one was, was not there. <laughs> A tail rotor was MIA. Yeah. <laughs> Three that, out of that four. That could ruin your day. <laughs> yeah, we had a um, uh, in Vietnam for the SEALs in Vietnam. They uh -huh. they had a similar relationship that the SOG guys had with the Kimbies with the with the Sea Wolves, mm -hmm. and they had to kind of uh, improvise. Improvise and their maintenance. They were very proud of and and very proud of their maintenance crews because their maintenance crews would keep those aircraft oh, running yeah. and they would do whatever they had to do and rob cheat and steal to they get were the king equipment of the scroungers. that's right that's right <laughs> and they were already you know using yeah. birds that had i forget they scrounged up the aircraft themselves from somewhere they were kind of leftover aircraft and and so the it wasn't just the the pilots and the gunners and then on top of that these incredibly hard working you know oh. sailors in the navy that were making those birds able to fly on a moment's Absolutely. notice But it's a, it's a very similar relationship for the SOG guys and the King Bee pilots it, as it is for the SEALs and the, and the Sea Wolf guys. Oh, they're of legend. Absolutely. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. And, and just the, um, it's a similar, you know, the, the attitude, you know, what you said, Con, or on earlier when I asked you, you know, what, what are you thinking about when you need to go back into a spot where two king bees have already shot down, have been shot down, and your response was, I want to get my friends out. That's it. That's 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 the esprit de corps that is just unmatched, you know, and, and having that relationship with, and just that, that warrior brotherhood is awesome. And then there's a very human side, like there's a few times after we get pulled out right at last light, we go up to the king bee pile and say, hey, come on, I'll buy you a drink. And uh, Captain Tin would say, I'm going home to my family. Or mm -hmm. Captain Tuong, no, thank you, but I'm going to go home to my family. Mm -hmm. I'll be back tomorrow. You buy me drinks tomorrow. <laughs> and they come back, and we had time to get in the clubhouse, have a drink before we go on the next mission. That's just amazing. And so you had this whole yeah, that's crazy thing that about dichotomy. Yeah. They're, with their, they're flying home to their family. Jeez. And they always came for us. They never, you know, I, we never had them say no for us, any of our teams. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely something to think about because Americans, we are always fighting in someone else's country, right? We don't yeah. go home. No. We go on deployment. That's it. You know, there's no family. Were, were, were you married during this time, or were you? Did you have kids during this time? Did you have your your brother? Yeah, I I married I I married in uh, 1969, and uh, I don't remember. Well, 
if I was uh, shut down before it or after it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, except, except the last time. <laughs> and, you, and you must remember, uh, you know, going on a mission, getting your aircraft shot up, and then going home to your wife and saying, hi, honey, I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> yep. Every time I the uh, I was shot, and uh, but they they I think most of the, many times they they miss me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one time I uh, flew back from Kaesang uh, back to Guangxi, and the uh, weather was very bad, and we we flew low low about uh, three hundred feet along the hillside, and. Suddenly, this, this, this somebody fired a long line of fire, right uh, on, on my, at my uh, my ear, and I I looked back up, uh, I look, uh, look uphill, and I saw the, uh, a lot of NVA, you know, in the uh, Civil War, mm-hmm. yeah, the front lines, mm-hmm. the seat. Mm-hmm. The second line, the knee, mm-hmm. and the third line, they stand mm-hmm. just like that, and they were on the hill, and they're shooting at me. <laughs> wow! And uh, and I I, uh, I told my cruise ship, shoot it back, shoot back, shoot back, and I saw the uh, tracers. Yeah, the no, the round dig up the the the, the hole in the uh, in front of the front line of them. I don't know if they hit, uh, if they hit uh, any of them or not, but because I was the last one uh, in the fly mm-hmm. at that time, and so I just keep flying back to Guangxi and back to Guangxi I, uh, I count, I found forty nine holes. He's flying from Kaesong, where we had FOB three. He would pick up teams and launch for targets from Kaesong, and of course, when you flew into Kaesong. Well, this is during the, the offensive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was... A, so he flies from that hot zone, flying to Quang Tree, which is, quote, a secure base. Mm-hmm. And en route, there's three lines of NVA just practicing target. Hit them 49 times. Ah, yeah, 49 rounds. <laughs> <laughs> what happened um, the last time you got shot down? Mm, the last part, the last time I got shot down was in uh, in Budok, yeah, uh, north of uh, Ban Mitwat. and uh, I insert the team and came back. When I came back, I uh, just like when you are uh, when you are in service for a long time or in combat for a long time. You have some feeling. Mm. I I would say the sixth feeling, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel something wrong on the ground. Yeah, down in the jungle. So I from uh, fifteen hundred feet, I go down to to, to check it. Uh, at about five hundred feet, they start to shoot at me. And this is this when you're trying to extract them, or is this no, during the insert? On, he on dropped the them home. off. He's coming back from. Okay, so half, after you drop them home. off, yeah. you're halfway home, yeah. and you decide you're going to go look on the ground. Yeah. And you start gut, getting gut shot instincts. Yeah. And I I got mad, and <laughs> I said, I make zigzag fly, and I skip the line of fire. And 
I got mad. I said, "This is my land, and I take care of it. Why are you there to shoot at me?" So I come back and shoot, and I got hit again, and the shot got fired. The round hit the fuel tank, and then the fuel ignites, and the fire comes from the fuel tank into the cabin. He's at 500 feet, trying to keep the aircraft stable to land. While on fire. And uh, I was on top of the frame. The frame is coming up from the, uh, came up from the uh, cabin to the cockpit. And I, if I, I land right, right, right uh, somewhere around there, it, the, 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 uh, it will be okay, but uh, I don't want it to be get caught. Mm-hmm. So I keep flying like to uh, Budap. So, so your planes on, so your your helicopters on fire. On fire. You could crash. You could land. Right away. But you don't want to get no. caught. No. Because that's going to be a horror. And uh, I try to get back to uh, Budap, and uh, the flame keep uh, the flame keep um, keep burning. And uh, one time it was so hot. That uh, I left, I, I left all of the uh, control, the corrective and cyclic. I left it. I keep my my hand in my at my chest. When I saw the when I left the cyclic, then the chopper start to uh, dive down, and I I saw the uh, route coming up, and uh, I said I just tell thing in my head that. It's on. It's over. But when it come close to the treetop, the uh, the instinct of uh, survival pushed me to grab the the cyclic and pull it back. And the the chopper was diving down, and then suddenly, when I pulled the cyclic back so so hard, and it come up, I thought that the uh, main rotor would come off, but it didn't. <laughs> And I saw, I saw it, and I labeled it, and so the shoppers dive in again. So it it like it it fly like a uh, scene line <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> and finally, Ooh. I uh, make a uh, a crash landing in uh, in the open area. So the 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 in the handles were so hot that you couldn't hold on to them no but then at the last minute survival instinct yeah uh-huh. you knew what you had to do in order to yeah get uh-huh. some kind of a landing so you just grabbed those uh-huh. and uh when i saw the uh lz i was flying at uh, 80 80 nautical mile and it was 90 nautical mile and i Move the cyclic to the right and push the, uh, the right payload all the way uh, down, and so the uh, the chopper at the ninety nautical mile make a three sixty degree <laughs> so quick that uh, I thought the, the the tail boom came off, but it didn't, <laughs> and it started to settle down, and now and I touched down very smooth, and but it still start uh, still running. So it hit the tree, and on the wheel came off, and the, uh, the blade came off. And when it stopped, I, 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 um, I grabbed the uh, seatbelt lock, 
and I pull it. But instead, but I can pull it, my finger open it. And for three times, I use my left hand and my left elbow to hit the buckle mm. and release the uh, lock. And I grab the uh, handle of the window because when I make a class, it run and the, 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 the window run forward, move forward and close it. So I grab the um, handle of the window, pull it back, but it happened uh, like the, on the seat belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grab it, but the finger open, but couldn't hold the uh, handle. Because the skin was burning mm-hmm. off. So I used my, uh, my shoulder to hit the window and uh, broke the window out. I jump out, when I jump out, I saw from knee down, the, all of the uh, material which came out, or was burned out, except the uh, zipper remained. And the, uh, the clothes are still burning. So I rolled down on the grass, wet grass, and to uh, put it off. And after it was off, I couldn't stand up. And my crew chip, uh, ran by and uh, grabbed me up and uh, bring me to the uh, uh, guide me to the uh, rescue shop, the number three, number three King B. So then you get on the number three King B. They get you out of there, and you obviously you go straight to the hospital. They they brought me back to uh, the uh, military uh, the, the hospital. It was the military hospital in Saigon. And I stayed there for uh, it until 11 a.m. to next morning. Next morning, the uh, one King B, one pilot, one King B pilot from uh, Danang flew back with uh, with the um, American advice and brought me to uh, Third Field Hospital. And that's where I stayed for eight months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was that process like those next eight months? Oh, they uh, amputated my uh, hand and uh, make a sheet skin grab on my leg because my leg, uh, when I was in the hospital, and they, uh, the day the, uh, the doctor, Dr. Smith, he amputated my uh, hand. I. Uh, I, I asked him, how about my leg? He said, uh, oh, he, he didn't know until after the uh, after the operation. Did they amputate both your hands at the same time? Yes. And then what was the what was the plan from there? What what happened after that? After that, I go back and forth. For eight months, no, the treatment, the main treatment, about four or five months. But after that, I go back and forth to the hospital to the, for, for the, uh, the doctor to, to check it. Mm-hmm. And after that, after all the treatment, they sent me back to uh, the Vietnamese uh, hospital. And at some point, I know you had a brother that was a AE-1 pilot. Right, he's a one pilot. Yeah. And what happened with him? Uh, he was on the uh, night fly mission, and he was missing. That's all that we know. Ninety-five missions were across the fence, also, right? No, no. 
he he was missing about about uh, thirty kilometers north of uh, north of Tainan. Tainan, northern mm-hmm. Tainan. And then, what was it like when the when the war started to kind of wind down? For you know, America leaving and the communists are going to take over. Yeah. What was that? What was that like for you? Um, at the end of uh, of uh, April, April ninety five. Yeah, one was uh, King Vipalo came to uh, to see me and. Uh, my, he was my co-pilot. This is in April of 1995? 1975. Oh, 1975. Yeah. Oh, okay. Communists took over mm-hmm. that you were just doomed because clearly you were uh, a veteran that had fought for South Vietnam. It seems like you would you 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 must have felt like you would be doomed if they completed the takeover of Vietnam. No, I don't think so. No. no. The uh, the thing that we uh, we were desperate because we lost the war. That's mm-hmm. right. And uh, on the uh, let's see, thirty of uh, April thirty, nineteen seventy-five. I was on board of one of the ship. I still remember the uh, the name, the Sea Challenger. And uh, when I heard the, uh, it was off uh, of uh, Vũng Tàu. So you were on an American ship? I don't know which it is. The Sea Challenger? It, yeah, Sea Challenger. And uh, when I heard the uh, announcement of a surrender from General Ming, oh, my, uh, my tears just came out. And I wanted to jump over the, the war. But uh, when I look back and I see my two kids, and he stopped me. They stopped me from jumping out. Mm-hmm. So then, what happened? I mean, now you've got your two kids. Yeah, you're you're in Vietnam. The South has surrendered. Mm-hmm. What 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 happened then? And we go back to uh, go back home, and then wait for what happened. Mm-hmm. And in. Uh, July, yeah. In July sixth, uh, July seventy five, I was in. Uh, I, uh, they put me in a uh, re-education camp. In a re-education camp. <laughs> yeah. What was that experience like? Jeez. Oh my God. They used to just talk about uh, propaganda. Yeah, propaganda. That's all. And oh. the thing is that. The people who they, they want to they want us to go to class every day, and we have to go to class every day. They keep talking, <clears throat> but the guy who tell uh, to to who talk, 
this this level of knowledge. <laughs> oh my God, this is like the maybe well, class three or the grade three. <laughs> so you're being re-educated by a third, third grade. Third grade. Yeah, by the third grade. <laughs> and they keep and all of them talking the same way. Mm-hmm. Just like the machine. It's just indoctrination. Yeah, indoctrination. Yeah. How long did and how long were you at the I, re-education camp for? I was there from uh, July, I know from uh, from June to uh, August. And then how did you get out of the re-education camp? Oh. One time I was uh, going out with my uh, the other prisoner to uh, clean up the uh, the camp, and uh, I was pulling the uh, bubble wire <laughs> with them, and uh, one of the uh, one of the guy the uh, NVA told me that uh, you keep uh, working, and we have the inspection team uh, from Saigon to come see, mm-hmm. and. Uh, when I I saw that uh, I heard that I I don't want I, I don't want I don't pull the I didn't pull the bubble wire anymore I just keep going along with my friend and uh, <laughs> one of the guy one 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 of the guy in the inspection team he came by my side and uh, asked my name and my military uh, ID. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, he said, "Okay, you keep working with your friend." And he left. He kept walking uh, away, and uh, about fifty meters away, he pulled out the uh, notebook and started writing something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But one week later, they transferred me from uh, Long Zhao to uh, Sui Mao. And from at the swim out camp, I stayed there for another week. And one day, they called, they uh, they announced on the uh, on the radio that uh, your people have a name below. Be prepared to be uh, to have your family to pick uh, your people back home. Hmm. Uh, so that was it. And then you got out of the camp. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so now it's still 1975. 1975. And then what happens? Then what do you start doing? Mm. Then we leave. Start to leave. It's, my God, it's after 75. You know, what? After the when they they take over to the south, the life was miserable. <laughs> you know the people who. Uh, Everything is a stamp. Food stamp, everything okay. stamp. And uh, one month, maybe each of them, uh, each people only can buy maybe a hundred, hundred grams of meat. A hundred grams of meat a month. Of a month, maybe. Or sometimes they don't, but it's say meat, but in fact, it's, they they can do, they can, even can give you uh, either uh, the hide or the fat mm-hmm. or anything. And I still remember one time when the uh, one one of the uh, guy who worked in the um, in the district, 
he he uh, he he ride a bicycle to around the the, uh, the street near my uh, my house uh, near my house, and say that the fish go people go to buy fish, and my my uh, my my son he was at uh, see seventy five, seventy six, he was nine, uh, seven or nine I don't remember. He just grabbed the basket and runs to the market so he can, he can buy the, uh, the fresh one. But if uh, uh, he came late, if he, he reached uh, the uh, selling place, there will be rotten fish only. Only yeah. rotten fish. Yeah. So you lived in that regime for how many years? How many years did you have to live if like this? Uh... From 75 to, I don't really remember exactly, maybe about 84, about 84. And you, and you tried to escape a few times? Yeah, I, the first time I tried to escape with my son, and we got caught. How was your first escape attempt? What did you do? Uh, <laughs> uh, I asked my neighbor, he, she, uh, she has some... Uh, some information to, uh, from other people. And so we, every time we have to pay. Yeah. And uh, the first time we uh, got caught and uh, at uh, Nam Can, way south to Camo, way south, yes. south of Camo. And uh, we were in prison. <laughs> so they put you and your son in prison? Yeah. You know the, uh, the 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 prison in Namkan is just uh, a, a case maybe a wooden case not <laughs> the prison about uh, one point five the side of this room. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made it from uh, the uh, so maybe twenty feet by twenty feet or something. Not even that. Not even that. And. Uh, you know the uh, the tree that in the uh, swamp, in, in the swamp that grow in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, they cut it and they make make it the just like a cage. Just a cage. Yeah, just, just a cage, and uh, they cover the uh, top with a uh, bamboo wire. How were you planning to escape? What was the plan? Were you going to go by boat? Were you going to walk? The only thing we can go is by boat. By boat. Yeah. There's four cores, like a lot of canals, water, mm-hmm. much water. Yeah. Very few roads. And uh, how long were you in this cage for with your son? Uh, maybe a couple months, and then oh. they transfer they transfer us to <coughs> um, to Sok Chang, Sok Chang. Was it? Yeah. And. Uh, you know the case, you know in um, Namkan, there, there, there were a lot of mosquitoes, <laughs> a lot of mosquitoes, and every day we have only one, you know the um, tiger beer in Vietnam? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the model by this, uh, this big, and every day only one, one uh, bottle of uh, water. For one day, for the whole day, everything. For months, you're like this, in a cage with barbed wire on top. <laughs> and uh, the mosquito at uh, about 5 o'clock, 5 p.m., we have to 
seed in the the, the, the uh, mosquito net. If not, they, they just eat a, just a swarm of, of uh, mosquito. Just like a bee. <laughs> and uh, after a couple months, we, they move, uh, we were moved to uh, uh, somewhere. Moved to... Uh, was it was it another prison? Another prison. How long was it, were you in total prison for, and why did they eventually let you out? Uh, or how did you get out eventually? Well, my my family and uh, the other who, uh, the, the people who uh, who organized the, the uh, escape, they get in touch with the uh, local, and every time they want myself and my son. We were released. We have to pay uh, about a six or seven, six or seven ounces of gold. Six or seven ounces of gold. No, 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 not ounce. Oh. <laughs> Let's see, point uh, six or point seven ounce of gold. Got it. Where would you find gold? <laughs> they like gold. <laughs> Jeez. The time I, I was I I got caught in uh, Namkan. The uh, police, he just got in, uh, put a, uh, his hand in my pocket and uh, found a, a ring, a gold ring. Mm-hmm. And he just took it and put it in his pocket. And uh, my uh, pipe of cigarette, he take it out and smoke and put it in his pocket too. <laughs> That's when you got caught the second time? No, it's the first time. Oh, the first time. <laughs> so you lost your gold ring, you lost your pack of smokes. Yeah. And then you tried to escape a couple more times? Yeah, another two times. But after the first time, I saw that my, uh, my son is getting bigger. I, I don't want him to, uh, to be assigned, to, to be called to service by the, uh, with the NBA. Mm-hmm. So Jeez. I let him go by himself. So your son escaped by himself. Uh, yeah. Did he make it? Yeah, he made it in uh, 87. That mean he uh, at that time he was 16, 16 17. Yeah. So you were facing either you get either your son escapes or your son is going to have to actually serve in the NVA who you had fought against for however long six years. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, after my son have uh, have escaped, then I brought my, uh, my 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 daughter to escape another two times. I got caught too. <laughs> Oh my God! And was the punishment as severe the second two times? Oh, uh, the uh, second time it was okay, it was okay but uh, we after we we can get out of couple months after we pay about point six or point seven hours of gold. Where do you find gold? Oh, luckily that my <laughs> my my uh, my sister. Uh, who passed away uh, uh, the early, early this year? He sent the money to help my uh, my mom. Where was your sister? My sister in France. So she was in France. Yeah. So she was able to somehow send money uh, to your no, mom. No, he, he he she didn't send money. She sent medicine. Medicine. And uh, I sell it. I oh, sold okay. it. Got yeah. it. So you were <laughs> drunk. At that time, there's no made no medicine in Vietnam. And during that time, too, your father was killed, right? My father uh, died in uh, 63. 63? 63. Okay, I'm sorry. 
And, the, the and day I, I, went, I joined the uh, Air Force. The day you joined the Air Force? Yeah, they my dad your... passed away. My father and dad passed away that day. Mm. So how did you finally how did you finally get out of Vietnam and get to America? Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> in eighty eight, then I heard that the uh, HO program. I am not uh, I am not uh, qualified for that uh, program. You so say HO? HO, yeah, humanitarian organization. Okay. Uh, departure, yeah, and. Uh, it helped the uh, people who was in uh, who was in service or who was in prison uh, in the uh, communist prison for more than three years can come apply to come here. And uh, how did you not qualify for that? Because the total time I uh, I spent in prison is only two and a half years. Oh, so you needed to spend some more time in prison yeah. to qualify. Jeez, <laughs> can you imagine that after all the service? Yeah. Good lord. And uh, so I thought that, that maybe I will, uh, I, I might be uh, living in Vietnam forever. So I prepare for my uh, what I'm. Uh, I plan to what I'm going to uh, do to to leave. But uh, at that time, the uh, the uh, South Vietnamese. Uh, Air Force Association in San Jose. They met uh, Colonel Masuoka. He was the uh, Air Force retired colonel. So this is an American Air Force retired colonel, yeah, uh, Masuoka. Masuoka. Yeah. And he was working with the San Jose uh, he, South he, Vietnamese Air Force Association. Yeah, and uh, he, the uh, South Vietnamese uh, Air Force Association asked me to help me, asked him to help me. And uh, he went to Vietnam and saw me. When I, uh, he asked me to bring on the paper that I had, and uh, I brought it to him, and when he saw the DFC, and he said. When he saw the what, the DFC? No, DFC, Distinguished Flying Cross. What's that? American Award. Oh, the DSC, got it, got it, got it. Or the Distinguished Flying Clause, got right. it. Okay, I got it. Yeah. yeah, no, I got it. I, I, I misunderstood you. It's okay. Okay, so he saw that. He saw that. Um, but he didn't say anything. But later on, he said that. He, he told me that. He, he didn't believe it. Because uh, usually uh, the DFC is supposed to give to, to a maybe a war to the American only. Mm -hmm. So uh, after he looked on, kind of pay, on my paper, and he said that. Uh, he will try 100%, but he is not guaranteed mm -hmm. 100%. And uh, he uh, came back to uh, state and he, he uh, called one of the uh, guys who worked in the uh, archive, National Archive. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, that guy was, was working with him in the military. Mm -hmm. When he was coronated, that guy was the uh, uh, second lit. No, no, the coroner, second, second lieutenant. No, second uh, colonel. Okay, oh, like a uh, lieutenant colonel. Yeah, lieutenant colonel. Oh, uh, so sorry. <laughs> and uh, they they look at uh, they found the uh, DFC. And they found your the, DFC. Yeah, and they found all the records and the. Uh, 
paperwork on that uh, DFC. Wow. And uh, they managed the uh, National Enquirer. The magazine, the National, National Enquirer magazine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they found, uh, they found the um, report for a guy that I, uh, I rescued. Okay. And uh, one pilot came to see me. This uh, is a zone liner, and uh, his uh, squad command is uh, Morrison. And they came, uh, they, uh, National Inquiry bought the airplane uh, ticket and so they came to over here to see me. Wow. And so then they set up that program to get you back here. So yeah. what year did you finally get back here? Or what mm. did you get to America? Oh, uh, no, let's see. I came here in 94. 1994. Yeah, 1994. What family did you leave back in Vietnam? Uh, my mom, I, when I uh, left Vietnam, my mom's still there, but I, I, I told my uh, nephew, the, uh, the son of my, uh, my, uh, my missing brother, mm -hmm. yeah, to take care of, to, to come over and leave with her so I can go. Mm -hmm. And I came here in, uh, I left Vietnam on uh, January 10, 94. And I came, I reached uh, Travis here to, uh, on uh, January 15, 94. And then what happened? Did you have any family here? Did you know anybody? No, at first I lived in the same house with the, uh, the chief of the, uh, Air, the South Vietnamese Air Force Association here. Okay. Yeah. I lived for. Uh, six months after that, I, w I moved out. And then, did you get a job? What did you do? No, yeah. At that time, my uh, my 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 son and my brother, uh, my son and my daughter, work to support me. Okay. Yeah. And uh, when you made it out, so you had your son and your daughter with you when you made it out. My 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 son came here. Before. Oh, that's right. So yeah. he was already here. That's and, right. Uh, but uh, when I ca I came here in '94, uh, my daughter came with me. Got it. Yeah. So your so your son and your daughter were here, or your son was already here. Your daughter came with you, mm -hmm. and now they're working and starting yeah. to figure out life in America. Yeah. How big of a shock was that to you? Oh, uh, at, at that time I was uh, I was sad because just stay home and do nothing, mm. and waiting for the uh, for what is going to happen because at that time the. Uh, they, they were trying to get the citizenship for me, mm -hmm. so I, I can uh, keep, keep, uh, so they can keep me here. And it's a lot of uh, petition at that time. Guinness was have had as with a uh, letter of petition. Senator, Senator Greenrich, yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, in uh, 60, 96, yeah, I got a citizenship. 1996, you got your citizenship here in America. Yeah. Uh -huh. Jeez. Then you went to the Santa Clara Fire Department? Yeah, I, before that, I don't uh, know. Uh, after that, I, uh, I go to school for the um, accounting class. Mm -hmm. And after one year, I got a, uh, a job in the uh, Santa Clara Fire Department. 
work for almost three years and then they ran out of uh, budget and uh, I was laid up and uh, unemployed for six months and uh, get another job in the IRS. Oh, you worked for the IRS? Yeah. Okay, well, I suppose we'll have to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> He's one of them. He goes from a good guy, a hero, yeah. to the IRS. <laughs> and how long were you at the IRS for? Uh, from... Uh, 2000 to 2013, 13 years. And that was it after that you retired? Yeah. And what are you doing now? Sleep and watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> no more prairie fire emergencies, but, huh? But at first, I, I was, it was really boring. I, I tried to look for the uh, part-time job, mm -hmm. but I couldn't. Couldn't look, uh, find a part-time job. So then you just had to, you just, pure retirement now. Yeah. You looked for a part-time job that wasn't anything. I don't care what, 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 what was anything. It's just maybe about four hours or six hours a day. You're ready to work. Yeah. <laughs> ready to work. Sick of watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> and you're up in, in this area here, in the San Jose area? Yes, San Jose. Since the day I came here. Okay, because we might be able to find a job for you. Somebody probably looking for someone. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tilt, did I miss anything? I mean, I, well, let me rephrase that. I know we missed. I know there's all kinds of stories. Um, is there anything else that you want to bring up? No, I think those are the major stories. Uh, just the, the documented ones. Indeed. Because that's, that's one thing. I mean, when, you talk, when we talk, when we broke down your 3,000 combat flight hours, <sighs> I mean, we could probably... You could talk for, you know, 3,000 hours explaining what happened on all those missions. So, I mean, uh, just unbelievable that you were able to get through all that. Crazy. One of my, my friends, he, uh, he told me that I, I, they, they couldn't believe that I still were alive until today. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, so, Till, but anything else, though? No, I, I, we've covered the major points there. And, uh, you know, just like that one time with the Marines need help, here he comes. He mm -hmm. just went there under fire. And so many times as Kingbees got shot up, mm -hmm. I mean, 40, 50 rounds, uh, holes. Of this, how, <laughs> just amazing stories. And uh, the men, were, there's so many of our SOG guys are alive today thanks to the Kingbee pilots, period. No, no and, of course, the other aviators. But... In our case, we had that direct relationship with them. They were our primary assets. They put us in. They always came to pull us out. And the Pat Watkins thing you let off with, just a classic moment, it just captured the essence of that underground, intense firefight. And here comes a king bee. Not only does he come, he settles into a bomb crater so he can get on a helicopter and go home. <laughs> uh, on anything else you want to add? Uh, I think this is <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's just been an honor to talk to you and, and thank you so much for coming on and more important, thank you for your service and your sacrifice. It's, it's, um, we, we won't forget it. And you took so many risks, you took so many risks and you paid such a price in order to save your comrades and your, and your brothers in arms and to be there for the, for the guys on the ground and 
we appreciate that and we appreciate the fact that you stood the line to defend freedom in the world. So thank you. And during the secret war, the king bees were another secret that nobody knew about. Mm -hmm. And so I thank you for doing this to get the story about our heroic on and the other king bee pilots, unfortunately many of whom we've lost. We buried uh, Captain Tuong two months ago, three months ago. And uh, our secret war had its secrets and one of the gems, one of the great assets were our king bees. And we salute you every day and the brothers in arms. So thank you for doing that, Jocko. It's, a, it's an honor. We appreciate it. Thank you. And with that, Tilt and On have left the building. And once again, we are left with an example of what human beings can do, what human beings can face, what human beings can overcome. Pretty amazing. Yes, sir. Pretty humbling. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Feel like we can do more. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much the general kind of overall consensus is I feel like we can do more. Yeah. I feel like we need to do more. I feel like I need to do more anyways. I don't want to, like, bring you over yeah like the, group me into group your you whole into thing my whole process of trying to do yeah. more because i think sometimes i think you feel like maybe you're good with what you're doing <laughs> sure well yeah i don't know maybe maybe not but yes i think so so you know he mentioned and we all know that he lost both his hands mm-hmm. and then later on joined the fire department yeah. so well he was an accountant at the fire department but yes he's at the fire department with no hands yeah and by the way i mean this is he lost his hands, both hands. And, and I asked him about it. He's like, oh, yeah, well, then I went to. He, there's no, like, there was no uh, hesitation in right. carrying on with what he was going to do. He's yeah. just going to whatever. I guess he's going to get hooks and he's going to carry on. That's yeah. what he's doing. And then at the end, which kind of gives you an insight to, like, how he's thinking where he's like, yeah, I'm, like, retired and I kind of just and you know made a joke like I just sleep mm-hmm. and watch TV. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, I'm kind of looking for a part-time job. Like yeah. I got to go do some stuff. You know what I was thinking about? If somebody told you a story where they said, listen, here's what's going on. I was in a helicopter. I was flying the helicopter. And the, the controls of the helicopter were burning and they were on fire. But And I couldn't hold on to him, so I just let him go. And then right as we were about to crash... I just grabbed onto him and I steered the plane or steered the aircraft, the helicopter, and I got it to land and we lived. But those those controls were so hot. It was crazy. Okay, so if you heard that, you would think one level of the word hot, right? Yeah. And there's no way that the level of hot that could be explained to you is so hot that you lose both of your hands from voluntarily grabbing the controls. Yeah. Like that does, and then as you're trying to get your seatbelt off, your hands are just ripping apart, falling apart. Yeah. So, yeah, and that opening, that opening that I read from On the Ground with the book On the Ground by John Stryker Meyer, it's just, it's crazy to think, you know, you, oh, guess what? There's gonna be too dangerous, so I'm not gonna take a co-pilot or a crew chief. All I'm gonna bring is a door gunner and me. That's it. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's that's another level. Yeah. 
By the way, you're sitting on a base, like warm, whatever, I don't know, cool. Maybe you're an AC, you just had a piece of chicken or something. Like life is pretty good, right? And not to mention these guys in Vietnam, they're they're like have to go home at night, like Till was saying. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh cool, I'm gonna go, go home now. Yeah. Cause I think when I was on deployment, I just put all that family stuff out of my brain. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about my wife and kids. Yeah. yeah. I was in just the deployment mode. I think it would be really hard to go, oh, deployment mode? Well, uh, singing ballet recital with the child, with the yeah. daughter. Yeah, you know how they say, hey, don't bring your work home or what, you know, what's that saying? Yeah. Right, that's another level right there. That's another level. Check. So, yes, we can do more. So, yeah, all right, well, keep yourself, keep us. We're keeping ourselves mm-hmm. in the game. Mm-hmm. We're all getting older. We're not getting younger, put it that way. Maybe some of us are uh, okay. getting older. Okay, so you're just going back in time. When Pretty you edit much. video, there's a thing you can do that freezes the frame, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of what you 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 feel that you're doing, freezing the frame. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, when you're working out anyway, you need supplementation. That's undeniable. I guess you could deny it if you wanted to. Nonetheless... Supplementing. That'd be a mistake. I think you'd be a mistake, yes, sir. So anyway, Jocko has supplements called Jocko Fuel. So these supplements include but not limited to joint warfare for your joints, super krill oil, also for your joints, general health. Some omega threes in there. These are important, is what I'm saying. Also, discipline. Discipline go. Three versions. No, three versions of dis- discipline. Powder. Do you drink powder every day in the morning? Kind of, yes. Matter of fact, yes. So I was thinking about this. So in the morning, I drink coffee. I'm a co- am I a coffee drinker? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't drink coffee every single morning. Mm-hmm. But that's like as far as morning routines go, coffee's not part of your routine. I know that. Definitely not part of my routine. But it's the discipline. Because you get up, yes. work out, right? So yeah. you take the discipline every morning before the workout. No. I take it before I work work. Oh. Yeah. After the workout. Yeah. When I wake up in the morning, I don't drink anything. I just drink water. Water. Boom. Yeah. Go. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, interesting. That is interesting. I I just now assumed. if I'm going to, when I'm going to the jujitsu on the way there, I'm drinking discipline for three sure. Three scoops all day. Yeah, three scoops yeah. actually. Oh yeah. Sometimes actually four. <laughs> all right, there you go. But nonetheless, and then um <clears throat> yeah, so there is powder version, also capsule version. Cool, that's when you're on the go, and then the energy drink, healthy energy drink. Version. Mm-hmm. See, this is a good one. So, in as far as energy drinks go, like we say, you can have an energy drink, but if even saying energy drink kind of brings along the stigma of the energy drink. Definitely. <laughs> Discipline, go. Energy drink, RTD, does not have that stigma because it is factually healthy. Truth. It's true. Anyway. Sometimes you look at me, you want me to give you backup. No, on your statement. No. And I just got that look, but no. then you were made a complete thought, right? So yeah. nothing else for me to add. Yes, sir. Like, no, it's I, good for you. A yes. lot of times I look at you because like sometimes you'll have this look like, oh, let me uh like you let remembered something. In. Yeah, like you want to, you know, and I just want to give you that opportunity. Oh, thank you. you know? Thank you. I always have a nice thank you for the opportunity I'm just to saying speak sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you say some good stuff. Anyway, also Mulk. Dessert in the form of protein. Protein in the form of dessert. Six and one half dozen the other? Yes, sir. 
Either way, we do know this. We're getting something that's tasty and good for yes, us. Good for us. And so you could essentially just say good. it's good. It's good. Because that covers all bases. Yes. Good for you. Good tasting. It depends on what kind of good because there's a lot of kinds of good. And for good, uh, uh, various things. It's You've been good, doing a lot of for. a lot of lawyer activity with me lately about well, it depends on what you mean by <laughs> yeah, because I've it's been noticing. True. Yeah, because you can't just blanket statement a lot of stuff. Okay. Like, okay, so my daughter asked me, "What's your favorite color?" So I'm like, "All right, well, it kind of depends." Like, let's say black was my favorite color, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like. I don't necessarily want everything to be black. Some things I want to be red. Like I don't want to eat a black strawberry. I'll tell you that. Okay. You see what I'm saying though? A lot of these questions. <laughs> okay. Like I said, you're doing a lot of, a lot of these questions right demand a little Favorite bit color of color camo. Next question. Uh, well, you'd want to eat a camo orange. Yes. I'll tell you that. If there, you was do such a thing. Eat a- if there was such a thing, if you could get an orange that was camo and we just called it a camo instead of an orange, all right. Well, I just think of like, what if my wife's face was camo? Well, then again, that wouldn't be too bad either. So, <laughs> camo. All right. Well, whatever. All right. Cool. I'll simplify my answers. How about that? Cool. Cool. Yes, that anyway, would be appreciated by everybody all these, in the world. All <laughs> these things, Jocko Fuel, available in various locations, including mm-hmm. orangemain.com. Yes. Vitamin shop. Absolutely. And as far as discipline go, energy drink cans, Wawa. Yes. Available straight up. And by the way, also on Amazon. Yes, sir. Also, speaking of origin or domain.com, you can get there. You can get <clears throat> Wawa, Florida right now. Wawa, whole East Coast, January. <clears throat> there I said it. It's looking like January for the whole East Coast. Thanks to the Floridians. Yes, sir. The Florida troopers out there getting after it, clearing shelves, moving us in the right direction that we can hope for. A. January, full loadout, Wawa. Yeah. The people from Pennsylvania are fired up. Yeah. Have you have you noticed that on on social media? People from Pennsylvania, people from Jersey, people from Virginia are like, we need it up here in this Wawa. Yes, yeah, I did see a Pennsylvania probe in there for sure. Um, yes, good. Okay, back to OrangeMain.com. American-made stuff, including geese rash guards. Jeans, American denim, mm. and boots. Yeah, and you might think to yourself, oh, oh, American-made jeans, right? Okay, I know what that's going to be. That's going to be a $350 pair of jeans. Mm. That's what you you might be thinking that. Potentially. You're thinking wrong. wrong. Yeah. Actually, you're thinking wrong. Get yourself a couple pair of Origin jeans. And listen, they're not as cheap as we want them to be right now, but as we grow, as we scale, we should we will be able to get the price down even more, cool. but join the join the club yep. of supporting America. It's true. <clears throat> also, boots. Like I said, also Jocko's store. It's called Jocko's store. Mm-hmm. And speaking of clubs, we have another club. It's not really a club. Yeah, it's just sub- subscription. Yeah, the club. I mean, really. Anyway, it's a subscription-based T-shirt scenario. I like that way better than club club it's i think club is something that you do unless you're in a motorcycle gang club yeah then know. that's one that's like one club oh so it depends oh doesn't it well that's just sort of a uh, old school r- name oh, right but it depends on the word uh, what you mean by club see why are saying? you being a lawyer because you're over here you know you see what i'm saying anyway yes 
club subscription based t-shirt mm-hmm. situation which you are wearing one today is this the initial re- launch mode no, it's one of the other ones anyway, i must say that one's dope yeah and you know i don't throw that no. phrase around very often Every at once all in a while yeah but yes yes sir lots I agree. of layers a lot of whatnot. layers and yeah you know these t-shirt ideas you know they come they go some stick some don't stick but this is like an opportunity for all of us to sort of you know capitalize on some of the cool t-shirt ideas that just fly in from time to time mm-hmm. yeah and and just like the ideas come and go the shirts will come and go every month you got one then shot to get one of these shirts then they're gone Anyway, JockoStore.com, that's where you can jump on that if you want. Also on JockoStore.com, you can get the Discipline Equals Freedom, uh, Good, all these stu- all this stuff, shirts, hats, hoodies. You know, some cool stuff on there. So, yeah, if you want something, get something. That makes sense to me. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast, too, if you haven't done that, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I also got some other podcasts, Jocko, Unraveling with Daryl Cooper, which used to be called The Thread. Now it's called Jocko Unraveling. Also Grounded Podcast. Also Warrior Kid Podcast. We also have a YouTube channel where Echo gets to manifest his little video right. fantasies. All right, okay, so you, you will always say that and hey man, good. But when you think about it, YouTube channel, you're talking about enhanced videos. Videos that we at some point started calling enhanced. Okay, maybe I made that up. But either way. There are not that many of them. They're all just like mm-hmm. the video version of this podcast and some excerpts of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So technically, the YouTube channel is that's more you than anything. So you know, I'm just saying you put it on me a lot. So I'm just saying it's kind of both of us. I don't know. It's sort of the outlet for your stuff, though. Kind of. Yeah, I guess that's kind of true. Like I don't see your stuff being out. You you haven't written any books yet. That's right? true. You yes. don't. You do you have a podcast? I guess you have this podcast. Technically, yeah, I guess. No, that's true because, yes, if I want to express myself in any capacity creatively, yeah, where is it going to land? It's going to land on the YouTube channel. Like me, I'm over writing songs. I'm over playing guitar. (laughs) I'm doing art. I'm painting. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. drawing. I'm writing books. Uh I'm just all. But video, that's your realm. I let you do that. Yeah. You make a video or two every once in a while, which is good. Which is Who, I do? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Check. All right. Nonetheless, yes. Okay. So I understand now. I understand what you're saying, and, and you're correct, and I am corrected, and I understand that fully, and I accept that. Also, psychological warfare. It's an album. You know how you were talking about you make music sometimes. You're just making albums. Yeah. There you go. So this is one of them. Anyway, this is not a music one though. This is Jocko helping you with each track. Identify. And help you overcome any weakness that might that you might encounter. So um, that one is one of those things that's helpful, but it's one hundred percent effective. Check. There you have it. Also, we have a visual form of that flipsidecanvas.com. Dakota Meyer making all kinds of cool stuff to hang on your wall. Got a bunch of books. The books today I read from On the Ground. We also have Across the Fence, Sog Chronicles, all those three by John Stryker Meyer. Tilt. And also Whiskey Tango Foxtrot by Lynn Black. These are some of the SOG books that are just awesome. About Face by Colonel David Hackworth. I wrote the forward to that. It's available now. Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual. The Code, the Evaluation, the Protocols, Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. Way of the Warrior Kid for Freedom Field Manual is out right now. You can better order that ASAP if you want it for Christmas. Mike and the Dragon, actually anything you want for Christmas, order it right now. Right now. That's my 
that's my encouragement to you. Because otherwise, it's not going to be there by Christmas. You got all these, everyone's ordering everything, and delivery people and delivery planes and delivery trucks are short. They're going to run out. So your package is going to be sitting in a warehouse somewhere, and your kid's going to be crying. And why are they crying? Two reasons. Number one, they don't have warrior kid. Number two, they don't have warrior kid. Because if they did, they wouldn't be crying about it. Yeah, it's true. They would, they would put their emotions in check. So you might want to check that out. And also extreme ownership and the dichotomy of leadership. Echelon Front is my leadership consultancy. Go to echelonfront.com if you want help with your leadership. EF Online, where we are training leadership online all the time. Go to efonline.com if you want to ask me a question or you want to figure out some leadership problem that you have, come and ask us. Muster 2020, I'll let you know about the, the dates for Muster 2021. That's where we're heading. EF Overwatch, if you need people inside your organization that understand the principles we talk about here, go to efoverwatch.com. We will supply you with military personnel who are ready for their civilian job to go out and lead. And if you want to help service members, active duty and retired families, gold star families, if you want to help out in a bunch of different ways, then check out Mark Lee's mom. Her, her name is Mama Lee. She's got a charity organization, and if you want to donate or you want to get involved, go to americasmightywarriors.org. <clears throat> and listen, if you seek personal internal agony, it's what you want. What you want is to cause pain to yourself, and we can deliver. <laughs> you can get more of my lackluster allocations. Or if you need more of, I think this one's good. If you need more of Echo's inexplicable explanations. <laughs> you like Sem- that one? Semi-explicable. <laughs> you can find us on the interwebs. Twitter, Instagram, which, just so Echo knows what I'm talking about when I say Instagram, I know you only refer to as the gram. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook, Echo's at Echo Charles. I am at Jocko Willink. And most important, John Stryker Meyer is on Instagram at J Stryker Meyer. And thanks once again to Captain On for taking the time to share his experiences with us and more importantly for risking his life over and over and over again for his brothers on the ground and for freedom. And thanks to every one of you out there in every branch of service, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and to all of our allies that have stood by us on the battlefield to protect the sacred ideal of freedom. Thank you. And thanks to those of you in uniform on the home front, police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, border patrol, secret service, and all the first responders. Thank you for keeping us safe here at home. And to everyone else out there, think of Captain On. Think of taking care of others. Think of recognizing the risk of his mission. Going into an area where they had already lost helicopters and deciding at the moment of truth that he would just go with one other man so as to save as many lives as possible. A decision which for him was perfectly logical and as he said, no big deal. When the call came, he went. And we all should do the same.
go. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out.